0: You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megidoradio.com. That's megidoradio.com. Welcome, everybody. This is Paul Flynn with the Magidda Radio for Friday the 24th of April 2020. Thank you all for tuning in on tonight's program. We're going to be looking at the issue of worry, and uh, especially in the time in which we live. Uh, I'm going to especially encourage anybody who's listening in the chat room right now, if you've got any questions during the program, Lord willing, I might be able to answer it, and hopefully uh, be a blessing to you, and... I wasn't sure, to be honest, if I was going to be able to do this program. Apologies, uh, Monday night show didn't happen and Wednesday night show didn't happen. Um, the reason for that was I was feeling a little bit under the weather, wasn't feeling great on Monday and it just seemed to get gradually worse and pretty much was in bed all day Wednesday and I kind of, the only time I got up that day was actually to basically uh, put something on Facebook that I wasn't feeling well and... Got out of bed uh, about 2 o'clock yesterday. Uh, don't worry, that's not common. Okay, so uh, just in case anybody's wondering. And uh, yeah, and if anybody can let me know. Greetings, Benjamin, in the chat room. And uh, greetings, anybody else listening. And uh, feel free, don't be shy. And uh, this will be a bit, there's no kind of script per se for this program. Um, I'm going to be going through the psalm. We're going to be looking at part of Psalm 10 today. This is, uh, if you want to call it lockdown episode number 10. I wasn't going to do that initially because who knows how long we were going to be uh, in lockdown. I had my own theories. I actually, I don't know if I should tell people that basically I thought mm, being optimistic June is probably when the lockdown will probably end where I am in the world. And I think it will probably just go on by what other countries have had to do and have done. Um, but I digress. We won't get into that here. So we're going through Psalm 10, and we'll also be looking at a passage of scripture, Luke 12, verses uh, 22 to, to 34. And just, I was a few days ago going through just, I usually just kind of scribble in a book things for sermons and things like that. And uh, the outline wasn't kind of coming to me, but, At the same time, I was like, this will make a good program and hopefully maybe a good devotional, hopefully something that will encourage people in regards to not worrying. Uh, It's very easy just to flippantly say, ah, don't worry about it. Um, Some people are more prone to anxiety than others. Some people pretend, honestly. Um, I think there's a lot of fear. And it can manifest itself in many, many ways. I think one of the ways it has manifested itself is in the running towards many forms of bizarre conspiracy theories that are out there on the internet at this moment in time. Just go through your Facebook feed, and it's five G and all this kind of stuff. You know, just I all sorts of stuff. I have no interest in it whatsoever. Um. So, and it also it, perhaps sleepless nights so it can show itself in various different ways and sometimes you don't even know you're stressed or you don't know you're worried and to be honest there's a certain sense in which you're not human or plugged in uh, maybe may disconnected from reality if in such a historic moment like this you aren't somewhat apprehensive okay it's what we do with that and we ultimately should fear the Lord, be in awe and reverence of Him, and if we fear Him, well, are we going to fear what is going to come our way through means of whether it's our, our bank balance running low, whether it's food running out in the presses, and whatever else may be happening. Um, at the moment in time, I, I think a lot of, there's a lot of anxiety with regards to what will happen with people's businesses. I think this is the current anxiety that's probably kicking in right now. And people's savings may be dwindling down and down and down. And there are some people who are near the the red line and are close, who don't have any savings, they're deeply concerned. So I think we're at that point right now. And um, The longer this goes on, of course, the more people's savings will go, the more, um, you see, here's the thing. And here's the thing I think that scares a lot of people. We don't know what the world will look like after COVID-19. I think it's silly to speculate. There's a lot of things that could happen. There's a lot of things that will change. the The world is looking at China very differently right now. Now, should it have been looking at China suspiciously before? Of course. I mean, it, you know, there's nothing new with the, the Chinese Communist Party, and I'm emphasizing the Communist Party, not the people themselves. And what will come after that? I, I, you know, there's a sense of massive unknown. Will it bring down certain? major nations. Will it change the geopolitical landscape? I think that scares people in certain parts, maybe perhaps in the United States. You know, m- Maybe they're not as economically powerful in two years' time whenever we get out of this pandemic. So there's a lot of things that can float through our heads. But ultimately, we don't know. You don't know. I don't know. The Lord knows. And this is the time when our faith gets tested. Now, before we look into our, the, the passage later on, we're going to look at Luke 12. We're going to look at Psalm 10. Now, we're going to read all of it. Um, it's a long psalm. But we're going to look at the beginning and the end of it and just kind of summarize maybe the rest of it. Um, and before we do. <laughs> Um, brother and the Lord, so I blame it on Boogle. Who's Boogle? I don't know. Anyway, sorry, that's a chat room thing. And if you're not in the chat room, you are missing out. Anyway, so um, so we're going to read through Psalm 10. Before we get into Psalm 10, we'll say a word of prayer and pray that the Lord will bless it. And hopefully it'll be encouragement to you. And hopefully we'll be a blessing to each other tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for the technology that we have to be able to broadcast tonight. And we pray for those people who may join us later. And we pray, Lord, that your face may shine upon us. Lord, remove from our hearts any doubt, fear, and worry in your promises. Lord, that we may trust your promises and that we may be greatly encouraged in your truth. Bless us, Lord, we pray, as we read through this Psalm, Psalm 10. And Lord, may people be encouraged to sing through this psalm. May they be uplifted as they sing through this psalm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before the program, actually, myself and my family, we actually sung through the end of Psalm 10. And it greatly, again, setting before you the promises of God. And it's not, I'm sorry, what man-made hymns, generally speaking, are, I'm happy all the time, joy, 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 But the Psalms very much pinpoint all of the emotions, all of the trials that you will go through as a Christian. Let's read through. We'll read through um, verses 1 to 7, and then we're going to read through. We'll see how we go for time now. Psalm 10, verse 1. Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above, out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he sneers at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. And the next few verses also go through other things that this wicked person, this quintessential wicked person, Goes through it, talks about in verse 9, he lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor. He catches the poor when he draws him into his net. And then in verses 12 and 13, the, the psalmist cries out for the Lord to judge this person. But we'll read these last few verses that hopefully will give us. Encouragement, verses 16 to 18, and I encourage you to read this psalm in your own time. Verses 16 to 18, the Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. The men of the earth may oppress No more. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now, what an encouraging thing to remind ourselves of. Well, we we face the wicked. We face enemies, and we surely will. But at the same time, having considered all those things, we cry out to the Lord to, to deliver us. To protect us. And we remind ourselves that the Lord is king forever and ever. He is the sovereign. He is the one in control. Not the wicked. Not the ones who seem, humanly speaking, that they may be in control. They're not in control. They may think they're in control. The governments of the world have the illusion that they're in control removed from before them. But it's still sad that you will see. I was watching a video there the other day. It's Andrew Cuomo, who's the, the New York governor. And he said, "What brought down the numbers? they seemed to be. It seems to have peaked, or whatever. And the numbers have come down, um, in New York, in New York State. And what he said was, it wasn't. It wasn't nature, and it wasn't God." It was, I think it was, it was just good science. I can't remember the exact quote, but it just shows the hard-heartedness, especially in a place like New York, which probably has one of the most liberal abortion laws in the United States. I don't have the statistics in front of me, but they I think they brought out a law not too long ago where there's abortion, if not right up to birth, but close to birth or something like that, and it shared it. I think that was in New York. It's chilling that we see something, the coronavirus. Is there anywhere on planet Earth where any nation on Earth, where any hospital si- system or health system can escape? There's nowhere on Earth. There's nowhere on Earth to escape. There's no rich country. There's no. And this affects everybody. Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, found out that it affects all. Stratas of society, young or poor, even young people as well. There's young people who get sick from this as well. But the, the Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his land. Now, this seems to be a reference to the nations that were once in the land of Cain. But how how can we understand this today? You have heard the desire of the humble. So the nations have perished out of this land The Lord used, back then, God's people as instruments of judgment against those nations to go into the land that was given to them by God. The land which pointed towards God's favor and that God's face shone upon them. Now, of course, since they turned in rebellion against God, they were cast out for 70 years in the Babylonian captivity. Who does the Lord hear? The Lord, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. Brings to mind some of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And who prepares their heart? The Lord. Lord. You will prepare their heart. You will cause their ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless. Now, and the oppressed. Now, we shouldn't understand this in be careful not to understand this in a social justice way, but there are those, when it talks about the poor, the oppressed, the man of the earth may oppress no more, what generally happens is, in the Psalms, it talks about those who are poor, those who are disadvantaged, often what happens is, the the rich will, both the poor and the rich have wicked hearts, but often the rich will use their financial might, or whatever else it is, to oppress the poor. It often happens. And God does justice. There's only you're only going to see perfect justice in heaven. You're not going to see perfect justice this side of eternity. But we cry out to the Lord for perfect justice. Now, oh, that's sad. Uh, somebody let me know about that. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty group. I I remember reading about the the New York abortion laws. When was it? Was it six months ago? Was it a year ago? Time flies at this point. Um, they're horrendous. And I can't remember the exact details of it. And I'm, because I can't remember the exact details, but I remember being pretty bad. I can't even remember, did it include fantasy. That's just the way the direction it's kind of gone now. And, and there's more and more talk of... Christians have got to be aware that this isn't even new to history. Um, I would have heard, heard stories... Can't remember was it from was it from something I was listening to online, but the the early church Christians would go into there were these fields where children who were born would be abandoned and left to die, and the and the Christians would rush in there after the people had left and go in and adopt them and raise them as their own, and I think a lot of. Our response as a church must be that way. Families seeking to adopt. I don't know the legalities. I'm not going to say this is easy or whatever. I don't know. But I think this is the best way we can respond. Adopt. And I think the church should seek out to adopt. It's something myself and my wife were thinking about and things like that for the future. But I think as many if it is possible, and I'm sure there's people with legal backgrounds hopefully looking into this within the church because wouldn't it be great if a child's life was saved because you said to a young mother, do not kill your child. We will help you through. We'll help you through the pregnancy. We'll get you from A to B. We'll raise your child. Everybody's different. Do it love, care, and sensitivity. And we've got got to do that. We've got to reach out in love in that sense. Now, so Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We're going to look at um, reasons for the Christian. And I emphasize the Christian, for the Christian to not worry. Before we get into this, are you a Christian? oh, but I go to church. I go to church, you might say, twice a year. I go to church every week. Are you born again? And the, and, and the sign that you're a Christian is not even that you go to church. Now, there's something wrong if somebody's a professing Christian and doesn't go to a, a church where the, the gospel is preached and the, and the sacraments are administered, baptism and the Lord's Supper. But are you born again? If you aren't a Christian, you have every reason to worry. You have every reason to, at every turn, death stalks you. And it's only a matter of time before you will die. And before you will stand before a holy and righteous God. And if you are not in the clothed, in the righteousness of Christ, you will be naked. Covered merely in your own filthy rags before God. So I'm not giving you this glib. It's all going to be okay. There's a hashtag in in Italy where my wife is from. Andra tutto bene, and that just means it, it will all be okay. Well, in a, for it depends on the context. If, if somebody's a believer in Jesus Christ, yeah. But if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, your life has been a tragic waste. You have been not bowing the knee and serving the one who created you, the one in whom you've been created in, in the image of God Almighty. You've been created in the image of God man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever and if you are not doing that at the very basic level your life has been a tragic waste you've been wasting it on idols you've been wasting it on your your things and money and possessions or other things perhaps if that motivates you not everybody's motivated necessarily by money but you've been serving idols serving self you've been Constructing your own kingdom. What an utter waste. Here and now, the greatest thing you can do is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Right here, right now. Oh, but you're just, oh, you just can't wait to get to heaven. Or, n- no. Being a Christian, no matter why you're going, is the most wonderful thing on this earth. And yes, I have gone through, I have gone through a past that has included drink and drugs and all this kind of stuff. Not proud of that. I'm ashamed of that. But that was a miserable past that I had. As more time goes by and the more the Lord changes my heart, the less I'm interested in my own life. And I'm talking about my sin. I'm not talking about my family and things like that. I'm talking about my sin. I'm talking about the things I used to serve. And now because of the Holy Spirit, I have a new heart, a new nature. And I serve a new master. Not because, oh, you were looking for religion. I was not. <laughs> not at all. Actually, just to give you short version of my testimony, I was one of the things that started making me ask questions. Why are we here? What is my purpose? What is truth? What is truth? I started asking these questions when I was inconvenienced. This is back in the Lisbon Treaty. Um, Back to do with the European Union and all that. I started asking questions politically and and so on and so forth. And it was when I was inconvenienced. And I think it was around the time of the economic crash. And you know, you start getting annoyed about things, and you start asking questions, and you might even start reading a few internet blogs, and before you know it, somebody shares the gospel with you. This was online. Perhaps that is you this day. Perhaps you have been annoyed, and you're just like, But you're also starting to think, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why have I been put on this earth? What am I got to is my life but a waste? Am I just going to die and go into the earth and be nothing but dust? Well wouldn't that be a tragic waste? Wouldn't it be such a tragedy if the nihilists, the Nietzscheans, all those kind of guys who just say it is all nothing? All of its meaningless. And no wonder if people think like that. Suicide rates are going through the roof and all this kind of stuff. Hopelessness. Despair. Of course, because you're like, oh, I'm having so much fun. No, you're not. No, you're not. When you're getting drunk, when you're on drugs, most of the time, be honest with yourself, you are trying to drown out those shrill cries of your conscience. That's what I was doing. You've been created in the image of God. And if you aren't a Christian, if you haven't bowed the knee to Christ, if you haven't repented of your sin and trusted in him and in him alone, when you do all those things, you're trying to forget, you're trying to you're trying to kill out, get rid of your conscience. Hold the truth, suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Romans 1.18. So before we get into, you don't need to worry. No, no, no. If you're not a Christian, you have every reason to worry. Every reason to worry. If you're not a Christian, I hope that this message gives you a sleepless night. Because I'd far rather that than you spend than you than you sleep perfectly and you spend an eternity in hell. But that can't be. What do your sins? What do your crimes against a righteous, holy, God deserve? Hell. Damnation. This is why we fear death. It's coming for all of us. There's a well-known statistic, and it is 100% of people die. And the question is, you will go to one or two places whether you will go into the, into the blessings of the Lord to continue to enjoy him in an even greater degree than you have on this earth. Or you'll spend an eternity in hell. Even if you went to church and you said, Lord, Lord, have I not? All your excuses. Your greatest deeds will not get you to heaven. They won't be balanced. There is no way that anything you do can add anything to the gospel but the sin that made the death of God's only begotten Son necessary. So I start with this. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you have every reason to worry. You have every reason to have sleepless nights. Because you have not bowed the knee to the sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords. The one whom it says he's king forever and ever. And you are still in rebellion against him. You still hate him in your heart. You still fight against him. And reject his law and his lordship. You reject his love. You reject his mercy. You reject his offer of salvation. You reject his terms of... Of peace. You want your own terms of peace. We must come to him in repentance and faith. Now, Luke chapter 12, verse 22. We're going to look at verses 22 to 34. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore, if I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn. God feeds them. How much more value are you than birds? Let's look at this. He said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, Do not worry about your life. And what's the necessity of saying that? Why say that? Well, we worry. And we tend to worry about these things. Life is more than food. How many of us, no matter how much food is in our pantry? (laughs) You know, the Americans say pantry. Um, In the press, we say over here in Ireland. In a cupboard. We... Worry. Oh. Passes getting low. I know I do sometimes. I'm like, oh, We've got a month's supply left. Why? Why do we worry? I think there's a certain element we think we're in control. We actually think that if... Now, of course, God uses means. We shouldn't be silly. We should be prudent. We should be wise. We should use prudent means to preserve life, etc. Absolutely. But at the same time, if we've done all that, are we really the difference between life and death? Absolutely not. Life is more than food, verse 23. And the body is more than clothing. We tend to worry about that kind of thing. You think of your children and of your parents. Think of, what do you worry about? Clothing them, going to school. And food. But the disciples, and we have to be reminded that life is more than these things. Life is more than the things that we get so wrapped up in. Oh, are running out of that special ingredient. Okay. But life is far more than that. We need food, yes, but we don't need every single... How blessed have we been in the last, I don't know, 20 years in the West? We can have food from all over the world. We can have spices from India. I mean, you know, go back in history, you would have had to have been royalty to get some of this stuff. And I'm sure probably some people had to die and you know traveling along dangerous routes and, and it was worth a lot of money. Most people didn't have sugar up until the last eighty years. You think you had to be royalty as well to be able to consume sugar. The things that we have, we are living like 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 kings. I tell you, if there was people hundreds of years ago looked at how we live today, they probably think we lived like royalty. How much of that do we take for granted? And we still worry. We still worry. In the first century, when people didn't have food and were hungry, they went, how, how long did the crowds follow Jesus for? Three days. Was it two, three days without food? We'd we struggle with two or three hours. What am I saying? We still, even though we're so, we've got such an abundance. Now, not every country in the world is like this. Not everybody has the same situation like this. But generally speaking, we still worry. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. He's saying, think about the ravens. For they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn. And God feeds them. Here's the thing you're all forgetting. When you worry about, when we all worry, this includes me, by the way, as well. I'm not saying that I'm exempt from this. When we all worry about various different things, what are we forgetting? Look at the ravens. God feeds them. It's like, why are you talking about ravens? Well, it says here, of how much more value are you than birds? Remember the pigeons were often used for sacrifices when somebody couldn't afford anything more. Birds aren't exactly the most valued animal. But God feeds them. God feeds the ravens. God feeds all sorts of animals in nature. That's not Mother Nature. That is God feeding them. And if we remember that, that He maintains everything in nature, in good order and good balance and everything else like that, how much more value are you created in God's image if you're a Christian in union with Christ, and when God the Father looks upon you, he sees the righteousness of his Son, Jesus Christ, and he says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He looks at God, God the Son, and he delights. He loves. He a sweet-smelling aroma that there's a type of love that God has only for his people because of Jesus Christ, that love in which he delights in them. This type of love in history has been called the love of complacency. It just means kind of a, a love in which you delight in something, where you, you enjoy something, you take pleasure in something. Well, God delights in his children, in the sons of God, because in his adopted children, because of Jesus Christ, because of the righteousness of Christ, because when he looks upon us, he sees the law kept perfectly. We don't keep it, but Christ kept it in our place. How much more value are you than birds? And which of you, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? I can't remember. I think it was a, it was a Charles Spurgeon quote who said, you know, I think it was like, well, there's probably a Spur- Spurgeon quote in everything, but just about worrying, what will it do? It's just going to maybe shorten your life or something like that. Worrying does nothing. It just makes things worse. And Jesus said, by worrying, can you add one cubit to your stature? Are you, make, are you making yourself more important? It's so illogical to worry, to fear. It says in verse 26, if you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? You can't do any of it. And you see, we think that we do. We think it, it all depends on us. Do you ever see someone who runs a company. Those of you who ever run businesses or anything like that. I've never run a business, but it looks stressful. Or if you're the manager. And I you know, I remember um, I used to work in English schools and academic managers. Man, where they put under a lot of pressure. Everybody was coming to him with their problems. The students, oh, this class isn't quite what I thought it was. Oh, the teacher didn't do what I wanted. And everybody goes to the academic manager and uh, they have to solve everything and talk about stress, worry and to be honest, people do it for a couple of years and they walk away from the job. Usually. Because it's a lot of stress. That's why a lot of people don't go into business. They don't like... What do you mean? I I have to make the decisions? I don't like that. Some people do like that. Some people are more geared towards that. Some people are more that worry, because they think it all depends on you. You know what a good boss will do? Delegate. Delegate. They'll say, you know what? I can't do all this. If, if I'm going to be successful, I'm going to get this person to be a manager of that department to return back to me. I'm not going to micromanage everything. I'll drive myself into an early grave through worry to stress. You know why? Because that person, that business person, realizes, aha, I'm not in control of everything. I can't possibly do everything. And I need to depend on others. And guess what? They're, they're generally the people who are successful. Think about this in another sense. That's an analogy because none of it depends on us, ultimately. God provides it all. And it all depends on God. We can work as hard as we want. We can do everything, you know, like tick, 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 tick. And still come up with nothing unless the Lord grants it and allows it to come to pass. You don't add anything to it. And do you know what? If you realize that, think about this. The outcome of the COVID-19, at the end of the COVID-19, how much... Do you influence that? Oh, but if you're a president... How much do you influence that when that ends? Zero. Now you probably say, well, why, why, why are we doing the social distancing? I'm not saying not to do social distancing. We're buying ourselves time. I heard a great analogy that, uh, about a week or two ago from a guy who used to be in the military, heard it in a program. And it's like, you know, if you're, I think it was the Navy SEALs he was in or something like that. And, you know, when you're getting shot at and you don't know who's shooting at you, so you retreat and you hunker down and you say, well, who's the enemy? That's what we're doing right now. We're hiding, <laughs> you could say, and figuring out who the enemy is so we can attack back. We're buying ourselves some time. We're trying to work out a plan of attack to how we can go forward and do all that other stuff. But who is ultimately in control? I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things. I'm not saying we should act like some kind of a quasi-gnostic and say, ah, I'm so tough, it doesn't matter, you know, if... God's in control and then, you know, you're being irresponsible and silly. You know, if you've got like type 2 diabetes or type 1 diabetes and then you're you're in your 70s and you're overweight and, you know what I mean? There's, you don't want to kind of go, ah, COVID-19, that's not a big deal. So I'm not saying that kind of an extreme. Okay, we should do all things to preserve our life. But ultimately, it's all in the Lord's hands. Ultimately, it's all in the Lord's hands. You could be the healthiest marathon runner ever. And this might be your last night on Earth. And you might be only in your 20s. Or whatever the case may be. And you may be overweight, underweight. You may have every health condition, every comorbidity on planet Earth. And you may live for another 50 years and outlive everybody else who's living. I'm not saying to do that, but ultimately what I'm saying is, God is the one who's in control. God is the one who set the time. God is the... And when you see that, in it's right biblical balance, ah, <sighs> think about this. Well, it doesn't depend on me. Tell yourself, what a relief that is to know. It's like, you might be kind of going, oh, duh, I'm not in control, but... Do you see how you're not in control? It's not to say that you don't work hard. It's not to say that you don't diligently seek the Lord. Of course, you do all these things, but ultimately it's in the Lord's hands. God is the one in control. I mean, that's why the Lord keeps reminding us of these promises again and again and again. So we won't worry and be foolish enough to think. We, in any way, are in control of the outcome. We're not. And hopefully the nations of the world will see this. Not even the kings of the earth, the the, man, the presidents, whoever else, they're not in control. Did they, does anybody seem like they're in control? I'm, I'm sure the conspiracy theorists think that there's some shadow group is in control. There's got to be somebody in control somewhere. There's no one in control. They are reacting to this. And if this coronavirus has shown anything, is that the nations of the world, even the most powerful ones, you know, like the United States is outspoken. Spends all the other nations put together in terms of military spending and it is quaking because of this coronavirus it could have huge implications for them especially in the world stage because here's the thing folks especially if i'm speaking to my american brothers and sisters in christ realize this america isn't in control of its destiny. God is in control of its destiny. So it can do all it wants. It can beat Joe Biden. You know, the Republicans beat Joe Biden and all this kind of stuff. Unless the nation repents and turns to God, it's headed to destruction. Same for the UK. The Lord will pour out his wrath upon nations who will not turn to him. He will give, we don't know how long that time will be. The Lord is merciful and patient. But there'll come a time when his patience runs out and his justice will be seen. And there's different ways empires and great kingdoms and great nations have fallen. And sometimes they have fallen over many years and crumbled to the ground like the Roman Empire, the Greeks f- split into four, and uh, Babylonian Empire. Verse 28. If, God, if then God so clothe the grass. Did I miss the verse here? Oh, sorry, yeah, I missed the verse. Verse 27. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wow. If then God so clothe the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, oh you, of little faith? And the, to the degree it is an issue of faith. It is an issue of faith. Now, I don't want to belittle anybody who struggles with depression or anything else like that or goes through... Periods of doubt. We all are sinners. We all have struggles of faith in some place. If any of us think, Aha, I I don't fear any of this kind of stuff. Well, you've fallen, you've backslidden there, brother. We should all tremble before God. This is when we doubt, when we worry, when we do things. Because of frustration with the Lord's timetable for things, when we lose patience with God, it is a faith issue. It is an issue of trusting him. If we trust in Jesus, we will say, in his time. And say, you know what? His timing is better than my timing. His way is better than my way. What he delights in is better than what I delight in. And I need to repent and change my heart, so that it is more in conformity with the image of Christ. Verse 29 of Luke chapter 12. And do not seek what you should eat, what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. No, this is not saying, don't plan ahead. Okay, this is not saying, but this is not saying, oh, what will we do? You know, there's some. there was a time in history, especially the time they lived in, Sometimes they wouldn't know. Where's the next meal going to come from? Again, I said before, some of us might break out a cold sweat if we're running low on our favorite coffee. What a contrast. Can you imagine what we would be like if we were wondering where our next meal was coming from? There are some parts of the world like that, by the way. I know this. There are some parts of the world that are like this. But then we'll see what our faith is like. Then we will see how much we truly trust him. And why did he say this to his disciples? Because this was a temptation to the worry, to forget the promises, and to forget who God is, and to forget that God cares for them. Verse 30, for all these things the nations of the world seek after. Now, the nations of the world. This is not just saying, well, everybody. No, no. This is talking, what, to a first century Jewish audience. The nations of the world, you know, the the Goyim, the Gentiles, basically the unbelieving world, right? Right? all the unbelievers, they seek after these things, and your father knows that you need these things. Okay? Unbelievers and believers, they need exactly the same things. They need food, they need clothing, they need all these things, and we tend to worry about these things. But don't worry. Does not your father in heaven know that you need these things? Don't. And maybe the things that we worry about today, do we actually need them? That's another thought. There's things we want and can't have this. Do we need them? There's lots of things we don't even need that we think we need. But I love this verse. And I'm sure many people have got this memorized. But seek, verse 31, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. But seek See, there's all this stuff going, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. What things? The things you need. It doesn't say you'll have everything. It doesn't say you'll have a Mercedes Benz or any of that kind of nonsense from the prosperity gospel. You'll have the things you need. Food, clothing. He will provide. Do we trust that? some of the most wonderful times you'll have is when money's running out and you, need to, you desperately need to pay a bill and a Christian pops up. And I'm not talking about somebody's being silly with money. That's sinful. I mean, there's some people, I'm sorry, but there's some Christians who are ba- bad with money and that's sinful and wrong and we shouldn't be wasteful with, especially, especially in the church. Especially the deacons who were involved in that kind of thing, but if you have done all and perhaps you're using your money, I don't know for for good godly causes, and it has worn you down financially and all that kind of thing, God will add these things that you need, and you'll and there's been wonderful times in our lives we have seen, and you just wonder how we're gonna do this part and that part. The Lord provides, time and time again. And it's sad sometimes, isn't it, that we all need reminding? And don't we need reminding at times like this? We need reminding. There's a certain sense of this, you know, don't fear. Well, you know, probably when you read the title of this program, you probably think, well, duh. <laughs> of course not. God's, you know, We, we, can, so, we can talk so flippantly about that. But do we think about what it means when we do worry that we think we're in control, that we're the deciding factor? We don't add any stature to ourselves. We don't add one cubit. We add nothing. Do not fear, verse 32. Little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So you're worried about All these things. Just think about it, right? You're worried about house, clothing. Okay, these are necessary things, right? But it's of God's good pleasure to give you what? Something small? Something of little value? Even just to provide you that, the one who is trusted in Jesus Christ? He has given you the kingdom. It is of his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Some might say that it's pretty significant. And then when we think about the kingdom of God, when we think about eternity to come and the joys and the pleasures that await us, then we think, "Haha, how foolish I am to be so worried about so many things." And I'm, hey, And I'm not saying this, you know, if you see somebody who's struggling, a new believer, or just somebody who's going through a tough time. And you just slap them on the back and just say, get over it. What are you worried about? God's in control, isn't it? That's not the way to go through that. You find out what's going on in their lives. You listen. buddy of mine said to me one time, there's a reason we have two, two ears and one mouth. And it's good to listen to people. And it's good to see where they're coming from. Sometimes we want to think we have the solution to somebody's problems even before we listen to them. Listen. Especially with a believer. Especially a new believer. I say especially with a new believer because they're going to have struggles and and doubts and things they might even be afraid to say out loud. They're going to have questions. They're going to have fears. Of course. And lovingly, you say to them and you remind them, You don't make the difference. You do it lovingly. But it is of your Father's good pleasure, if they have placed their trust in Jesus Christ, if their faith is of the size of a mustard seed, it is of God's good pleasure to give them, that person, the kingdom. And you remind them lovingly. By the way, just because something is truth doesn't mean you take a truth grenade and you fire it over the the wall and you just say... Well, wherever things may lie, there is a way, a way to deal with a hardened sinner that is not, you know, a hardened backslider or whatever the case may be, or someone who should know better with a person who is perhaps naive, perhaps a new believer, perhaps not aware of certain things. You do it tenderly. And if you're not sure, start off with a tender approach. I'm sure we all fail, and I, you probably have examples of where I fail. But you start off with that approach. You start off there. Verse 33. Sell what you have and give alms. Isn't that amazing, right? We're Holding on to... Sell what you have and give alms. Because there there were poor people around at that time. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches, nor moth destroys. And here's the vitally important verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a danger that we, as Christians, may have our treasure, have idols in our savings, in our nice big house, in our nice big business. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a nice house. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a nice business. There's not. But if you're trusting in these things and you're so worried about it and you have to accumulate more and more, then you've got an idol. Then you've got a problem. Are you content? It's one of the problems. Uh, I was having conversations with people um, when we were visiting churches and um, we would talk about contentment and I would talk to some friends of mine who were farmers And, you know, there's farmers who would try to have hundreds and hundreds of cattle. And they'd be advised against it. No, no, that's just too much, too many. And they think, oh, no, take out a big loan. Because more and more. And they just need more because they're probably, it seems like, they're trusting in Oh, well, you know, more cows, more milk yields, more money coming in, cha-ching. Well, actually, a lot of those cows may get sick. I, some of the things I've learned over the last couple of years are just visiting people's houses and stuff. i like had been blessed to myself, my family. We've got, had wonderful times of fellowship with people in the countryside. Um... farmers and just seeing all the work that has to be done in dairy farms and the things that have to be checked and the stresses and the strains Now that's on a dairy farm and you think you know somebody might get four five hundred six hundred cows as opposed to getting a more manageable amount because sometimes i don't want to some people can manage with 600 i don't know but people are not content it's the same with business you need a bigger business Bigger car, bigger house, it's not enough. I think we all struggle with different things with that, don't we? It's never enough. We need to have more and more and more, more than we need, more than we need. But here's the thing to remind ourselves of where our treasure, where our heart should be, for where your treasure is, there is your your heart will be also. And it's also, there's a sense in which this is teaching us that get something out of you. If something is an idol, something sucking the life out of you right now, get rid of it. And you know what? It could be. It could be the person who has got a huge business, but never sees their children, never gets home to see his wife. It may be that. And it may be, you know what? Sell that business to get a much smaller business. It may be that. And wouldn't we like a big checklist? Boom, do this, do this, do this. But we have to search our hearts. See where our idols lay. Because so easily can we trust in uncertain riches. From our perspective, from our perspective the future is uncertain. Is it uncertain from the perspective of God? Absolutely not. Is God been shocked by COVID-19? Is God shocked by the illness you may be going through right now? Is God shocked by the doubts you may be going through, the dark backsliding you may be going through at this moment in time? Not at all. He has ordained the end from the beginning. Trust Him who knows the end from the beginning, not yourself. Because you trusted yourself. You got yourself in this mess. But trust in him who is ever willing to forgive and who is ever merciful. This been Paul Flynn. May God bless you all.